Hello and welcome to 20 Cent Retail's podcast. I'm Vincent Panels. It's time for another chat with a startup. This week, Diane Noyos is my guest. She founded Cool Beans Foods and created a range of meat alternatives based on, you guessed it, beans. As it is the tradition for this kind of episode, I let Diane present her concept and also we discuss the struggle and challenges that as a young startup you can encounter when you start from scratch. Here's my chat with Diane. Hello, Diane, and welcome to the show. Thank you, Vincent. How are you? I'm fine today. Uh, you look fine as well uh, when I look at the video, even though like people can believe me, it's only audio right now. Uh, thank you to those uh, startup talks that I like to do uh, with young startups. You're a young startup. I'm not uh, young, but I am a young startup. Uh, don't 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 sell yourself too short. Um, but you are uh, doing beans. Uh, you are actually cool beans, uh, providing some meat replacement uh, or meat alternatives. Um, why did you choose to base your products with beans? Yeah, it mirrors my own quest to have a more plant-based diet and to go as close to vegan as I could. I actually am vegan now. But I went through a long journey to figure out how was I, how, what I was going to replace my meat with. And uh, the first thing I turned to was the meat analogs. They look like meat, but they're not meat. And I ate a lot of those. And I just started feeling not so good like when I binge on McDonald's, which admittedly does happen. So I started realizing that the answer was in pulses. And I couldn't figure out why in the marketplace... Uh, there just wasn't that option out there. Uh, the closest thing is hummus, yeah. uh, tofu to some degree. So that's why I decided that given my own pain points in trying to get to a plant-based diet naturally, I felt that there was a need and an opportunity in the marketplace for such a product that was just beans unprocessed. All right. And, and, and what is then your approach? Are you trying to do another meat analog or are you trying to create an alternative which is totally new? Uh, I am trying to create an alternative which is totally new in the fresh section. I should add that there's an increasing amount of shelf-stable innovation uh, mm -hmm. in pouches and cans to have more than just beans but to have recipes. The thing is the flavor isn't quite all that So I am trying to develop that in the cold case. And in that place, um, yes, it is totally new. And no, it is not meat analog. It does not look like meat. It's now the texture, the color has a ton of flavor, color, and, uh, and different textures. All right. And, and this is a question that I always like to, to ask to people who are in, in your segment of meat alternatives, um, is that I noticed that some players, uh, I'm not going to mention names, uh, they're quite opposed to meat. But when I say opposed to meat, it's really radically opposed, like as if it's almost like get the knife out and, and, and let's start a war. Um, where do you stand on that? And, and, and how do you see this, this opposition basically between the meats industry and those meat substitutes today yeah you're referring to cattle rancher lobbies pretty much right basically, <laughs> basically lobbying yeah, every, every government possible to uh to change and restrict how we label our food um i really don't think there is consumer confusion at all in terms of using the word meat personally in my case i'm lucky that i am outside of that litigation scenario because I just have beans. I don't use the word uh, meat except in my tagline to say eat beans, not meat. But in the case of my co-alternative protein brands, 
Um, I hope they continue to fight back in the litigation process because it, it just makes no sense at all. We've had all these products out there for years. And I think it's more of a fear from the uh, meat companies that they're going to see declining revenue. But the reality is, if those meat companies called themselves protein companies, they could, like Tyson Foods, just outright buy or invest in alternative protein and be part of the growth instead of being part of the uh, problem and obstacle. All right. And um, I was actually just because to jump on what you just said, that the consumers do see the difference and everything. Uh, is it difficult to explain to consumers what to do with those new alternatives? And, and what are they basically? Because if you tell me as a meat eater, here's a meat alternative, which is based on beans, I'm just going to go like, huh? what do you mean? Yeah, so that's a good point. When I researched what were the pain points, um, obstacles to people eating more plant protein, the two key ones were perceived lack of taste in vegan products. And the second one was difficulty preparing. And certainly in the case of beans that are not processed to look like meat, um, that are just, you know, a, a container of stewed beans, I find myself often having to explain um, what to do with them to the point where I put it on my packaging on my website. And when I sell in person, I right away explain how to use them. The thing is, it's so versatile, you could do anything with it. Uh, but I, I appreciate that the meat analogs out there who try desperately to look like meat, I appreciate that what they're doing is they're bringing flexitarians into the quote unquote plant protein franchise. It's almost like step one. So I see myself as flexitarianism 2.0. It's when you're sophisticated enough to know that there's many ways to eat plant proteins and that you can find a way to prepare it and get over that second obstacle. All right. So flexitarians are the, are the target. And um, I was wondering, let's move a little bit further towards the, the struggle of a startup, because as you are one, um, how difficult is it to approach the, the retail and the food service buyers, even though now I would expect them to have like, of course, places on the shelf for, for, for this segment. Is it still a difficulty now today? Very, very. Um, it's difficult for a startup in general and for me in particular. So when I say a startup in general, um, you first have to learn the landscape and how to get yourself in front of buyers properly, not just by cold calling, although that can work. So there's that learning to navigate problem. And then when you're untested, of course, um, the questions I always get are, are you sold somewhere already? So I think having some direct-to-consumer sales does help gain credibility. And then secondly, for me, uh, because I did not want to engage in greenwashing, because I wanted to be as honest as I could, I made some choices in how I create my product that make it more difficult for me to penetrate organic channels. So for instance, I use local beans, that are not necessarily certified organic, but I feel like I'm helping to change the agricultural landscape. And of course, what do I get there? I get the question of, are you organic? Uh, no, okay, never mind. Even though all the other ingredients are organic. And then of course, packaging is always a nice controversial topic. 
Um, so I chose to be in recycled PET plastic based on a lot of research that I did based on talking to a university professor who specializes in this. I did not choose glass. Um, and that also presents an obstacle for some of the um, smaller independent um, channels. So for a startup like me, there's you know, some of these obstacles are self-created, like I said, the organic and the, the packaging, but there's still a huge uh, learning curve in terms of navigating how to get in front of buyers, navigating whether you should go direct or whether you should go through a distributor. It's, it's terribly challenging. So I would, my experience so far has been start by selling direct to consumers as fast as you can. All right. Well, actually, I did notice that uh, you have your, your direct-to-consumer sales uh, via your website and, and I guess other channels. Um, what are the, the learning points that you did from direct contacts with the consumers, basically, then? Yeah, it's been, it's been great. It's been really great because the biggest learning point for me was I learned which of my products is the most successful, is the most popular. So... If I were to get into a store and I only got one facing, I knew, I would know which one to pick. I would know which one is going to have the most turns. Right. So that was a really good learning. And then, of course, the direct conversations, um, we referred to that earlier in terms of how to prepare it. So the direct conversations allow me to um, start to tune in to the questions that come up a lot, such as, oh, how do I eat this? <laughs> and therefore, allow me to improve my marketing. And also what I've been able to do is to just float, like depending on who I talk to, but some people love to really get into the details and learn. And when I see people who are interested, I just float the idea of what I'm working on next. And it allows me to gauge the level of enthusiasm. It's almost like informal market research in a way, qualitative that is. So that's another neat aspect of direct-to-consumer sales. Cool. Well, you, you just mentioned uh, that you can then actually uh, already gauge what, what is coming next. Um, maybe this, this will be a good final question. What, what's next in your development, actually? What's next for Cool Beans? I'm working on a black bean burger. And at the beginning, I didn't want to do a veggie burger because I thought there's already plenty of veggie burgers on the market. But One other thing I've learned is if you're asking consumers to change, don't ask for too many changes all at once. So I'm already asking them to switch from meat protein or animal protein to plant protein. If on top of that, I'm giving them a format they're unfamiliar with, then I'm asking them to learn two new things. A black bean burger, um, it's a veggie burger. They've seen that before in the market. It's a burger. So yeah. it's not going to look like meat. It's going to be black beans, but it's a burger. So it's something they're familiar with. So they might be um, more apt to um, to want to buy it and try it. And again, informally, based on reactions of people, I've had uh, positive responses. And it's going to be a barbecue, American flavor barbecue black bean burger. I'm actually working with a chef based in Arkansas, which is kind of the land of barbecue over there. All right. So I'm pretty excited. Good. So the black bean burger is coming up. You already have your uh, three different uh, references. Uh, that's quite nice. Um, Diane, I could love uh, talk to you uh, all day, but uh, sadly, we're going to have to close this discussion uh, here as we are always limiting ourselves. Uh, that is again. sad. 
I have that a lot more to say. say. Um, <laughs> well, we should go and move on to the tasting uh, later uh, at another yes. time. Uh, yeah. And definitely keep us posted uh, about the black bean burger. Uh, I will also keep uh, my uh, audience uh, posted on about that. So thank Fantastic. you again very much for your participation. And I hope to talk to you very soon. Thank you very much. That's all from us, and I hope that you guys enjoyed it. If you enjoy me presenting startups, let me know. If you want to tell me something else or want to get in touch, don't hesitate to write me an email. I also invite you to check out the website 20centretail.com for more retail stories and join us next week for a new episode. In the meantime, thank you for listening.